Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I feel like we're having fun. So much fun. Is there a three-way kiss? Did that do it for you? I think so. I'll put every lip I had into that. Where'd Danielle go? She's in the hot tub with Alex. Really? I'm looking happy about him. That means I can make me on my other crush. Corey, you're going to make me. I might. Getting a woman after my own heart. Go for it. episode of everyone's business but mine with me Kara Berry we're doing another Saturday special um BravoCon is in full swing I'm not there but I figured there was so much good Bravo content that I had to do a bonus episode talking about my top tens from Winter House Real Housewives of Salt Lake City and Real Housewives of Beverly Hills so we're gonna start with Winter House I'm having fun. We're in episode two. I'm having fun. I'm hoping you guys are like joining in in the fun with me. So starting off with our cliffhanger from episode one where Schwartz is coming into the house. The last one to come in the house. So in this episode, he's meeting everybody. And the first thing he says is, "Ugh, a face that isn't Sandoval's. So he goes on about how like, again, this has been a week post Scandival or a week into Scandival, right? And he's like talking about how this whole week has been affecting the businesses and, you know, Schwartz and Sandy's and the reviews that everybody, you know, made them go down on the one, the one star reviews that they did and all that. But like, I feel like, you know, we've established that we don't care about Schwartz's feelings regarding this and him feeling like a pariah. We don't care, do we? The important thing is that Katie, not his ex Katie, but below deck Yachty Katie and Malia 
have no clue who he is, no clue what happened to Sandoval, but they do get the idea that this is like a heavy situation. Also, Katie thinks that Tom is cute. There's like chemistry flying with them all episode. We'll see. We'll see. He does offer the house a stash of poopery, which I did feel was nice. So I'll, I'll give him half a point on that. Number two, Jordan. Jordan from Summer House Martha's Vineyard tells Casey, our resident blonde, and Danielle of OG Summer House that she really doesn't want to shit where she eats. At least not right away with regard to hooking up with the guys. Interesting because I feel like Jordan kind of doesn't know what she wants sort of like she was coming in real hot girl shit like I'm gonna have a vacation bay and then listen those guys Alex especially Hozier was like on some really whack shit so I can't blame her for wanting to be like eh maybe not also Brian in the hallway very whack but I don't know I'm also feeling like not to I don't want, this is not like a judgment of Jordan, but I do think that when you take yourself out of the game, because if y'all didn't watch Summer House Martha's Vineyard, Jordan came into the house a year celibate. And so now when she's in Winter House, she's like a year and a half. And I do think when you take yourself out of the game, that it does kind of like make you a little gun shy because it's like, you know, how do you, how do you get back in there? You know, and I, so I get that. But I also just am not sure, like, if she totally knows what she wants. Like, does she want, like, if you're just, y'all are only in this house for 10 days, you know? So (laughs) if hooking up early is going to be inevitable if you're going to hook up with anybody, because you're just in this house for like a week and a half, like, we got to give it up. Like, if you want to hook up, then hook up, right? There's no, it's fine. It's chill. Danielle is totally like, well, I'm actually really cool shitting where I eat, actually. Like, I am good I went through a bad breakup and that really took a hit to the confidence for me so I am just like trying to get my mojo back here I don't care if it's from some long-haired idiot who cares (laughs) speaking of him Alex tries to circle back to Corey's relationship because they're sitting at a table everybody's sitting at the table and they're talking about how long it's been how long they've all been single like Jordan's 10 years, Malia's seven months, this, that, and the other. And so we get back to Corey, who, you know, tried to do the the Snickers defense and and get out of it last uh, episode, trying to answer that he's with Sam. So we get back to Corey, and Alex is like, no, really, what's going on? When was your last relationship? Y'all, he said, it was before COVID. And Malia goes, but aren't you in a relationship now? Well... Uh, I mean, like, you know, we're, like, dating, but, like, we haven't made it, like, exclusive. And so Malia goes, okay, are you going to? And Corey goes, so, I don't know. Like, I'm kind of in a weird place with that, so, (laughs) I don't know. So then Jordan is like, okay, but do you see other people? He's like, no, I haven't been. I I haven't been. No. So then Malia goes, okay, but would she move to uh, North Carolina? And he's like, no, 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 not a chance. Like, she's a New York ride or die kind of girl, right? Like, that's the one question that he could be like, oh, finally, there might be, like, a hole that can be poked in this situation because we're long distance, right? Like, there's never going to be us living together. Now, nobody asked Corey if he would be willing to move to New York. Maybe they should have thought about that. But basically... He then says that, like, in a confessional, like, it's her fault 
Like it's Sam's fault. There are more questions. These the questions that these ladies are asking me are more questions than Sam has ever asked me about our relationship. And more than she's ever thrown at me to try to define it. So like we're just both playing this. We don't want to talk about our emotions because if we do, we're afraid things will change, you know? Like, no, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like that trope is one of those things that I have not seen in real life. I think this has only happened in like a movie, like a, like a teen romance movie. We can't talk about it because what if things change? Like, what is changing? Y'all were always like this. You only know Sam in the, y'all were not friends. You only know her in the context of like shoving your tongue down her throat and all the like spitting down her throat and choking her and all the things that you guys do that you think are so hot. <laughs> like, whatever. What are you talking about? Sir, you're 33. Sam is 26, by the way. This leads Malia to be like, well, I think there's a chance. Maybe the door is open with me and Corey. Speaking of Corey, and I don't want to, he seems to be attempting to sneak a flirtation with Jordan, which I peeped that they weren't like overtly trying to show us that this is happening, but I peeped game. I peeped game for sure. Ryan has decided that since Jordan turned him down in the hallway, that he's now going to go for Casey. And Tom is talking about how he's counting into Katie. Hosier, Alex is operating and I'm going to hit on everybody and just time will tell if they find that hot or annoying. But Danielle tells him, your game needs to not just be telling people they're hot over and over. You know, like maybe you should try talking less and then maybe you would have a chance with anybody at all. So Alex does explain to us that he is a homeschool kid and like he's kind of been trying to catch up with you know, social cues and things like that. And it's been kind of difficult for him, which like totally fair, but also, I mean, how old is he? (laughs) Like at some point you got to catch up, babe in your thirties. I think you got it. Cause now we've been out of high school for quite some time. So let's think about this. So Katie and Malia decide to hold a sexy pirate themed party, which like makes Alex so excited because, you know, he's got long, curly, dark hair. That's, that's it. Amanda gets norovirus. She's supposed to be there, Batula, but she calls Kyle to say that she's got norovirus. She's um, spouting out of every orifice. She can't make it to the house right now. She's not going to hop on the plane. Casey... Everybody goes skiing at one point. Casey reveals, because she's, like, clearly very good at skiing, in a confessional, that she's been skiing since she's, like, three. And she used to ski five days a week. She went to an academy. She was one of the only females doing half pipe and was, like, at the top of her field in the country. And there was, like, a really good chance that she could go pro. However, one, she got back-to-back concussions, and two... She found out that a girl hooked up with her boyfriend at the time, so she roundhouse kicked the bitch in the face and got kicked out of her skiing academy. So, like, was it the concussions or was it the the kick in the face? Did you give her a concussion? Because it sounds like... (laughs) That being said, like, she, she ate that. Like, I'm like, okay, that's a story. That's a real story. (laughs) Jordan basically tells Danielle right before the sexy pirate party, you're good to go on Alex. Like, I don't really, 
want to go there. It's not working for me. And honestly, you need a win, girl. We're really getting like OG Danielle, OG Summer House Danielle, who is just like, I will make out with you. And I don't care about those red flags. I'm going to run through them like some kind of tampon commercial of a girl in a field just like having a gay old time. And I'm going to come down to earth later, much later. And it's not going to feel good, but she really live, laugh, loves. She really, really does. <laughs> it's funny to me. But Jordan's got Alex down completely. She's like, you know, he just says, you're hot. And now it's like, he's saying it to everybody. It's kind of like, you get a car, you get a car. It's not special anymore. Like, now we're just at the car dealership. <laughs> so then Corey, who gave Brian advice about how to navigate dating Casey is now like really like in his hitch bag where Brian is Kevin James. So they play a game, a question game of like, basically who wants to kiss who, who has a crush on who, fuck, Mary kill, that sort of thing. So they ask Brian who he would like to kiss most out of the house. And you know, he's got a f- f- crush on Katie because she's a nerd or whatever. And she, <laughs> she eats sea moss, whatever his qualifications were. He says Katie instead. And Corey's like, yes, you did it, man. You did it. (laughs) You emotionally manipulated her, bro. You confused her. I don't think Casey clocked this one bit. But whatever. Whatever you guys need. (laughs) Which ends me on number 10. At the end of the episode, we see Jordan in the kitchen. Like, they're all kicking it after dinner, right? And she's talking to Malia and she tells Malia, hey girl, I think it's probably a really good idea that Alex is now kind of focused on Danielle because that means that I can focus on who I've got a crush on. And Malia looks at her and says, oh, uh, maybe, maybe Jordan says this, it's Corey. And Malia gives her a high five and is like, yeah, girl, like you're a girl after my own heart. Go for it. Like rooting her on. In the preview, it looks like Malia immediately goes right for Corey and leaves Jordan crying in a hallway. But more on that later. More on that later. The episode truly ends with Danielle just, like, going to the hot tub with uh, with Alex, with Hozier. He took her to church. That's what I'm going to call the hot tub now. It's church. It's Hozier's church. And, he, you know, he pulls this move. He's trying to first get a ponytail holder for his hair. And he's, like, digging around because he threw his jeans to the side of the the jacuzzi. Just digging around in his pockets. And she's just sitting there, like, you don't have to do this, right? Like, you know, I'm literally just sitting here waiting for you to make out with me. Like, I'm just waiting here. Please just do it. (laughs) He's really just, like, oh, my God. I'm making it so easy for you. Sitting in here in this hot tub with my banging body in a thong make out with me and so finally he does and honestly it looked like danielle was doing a lot of the heavy lifting and i could see the face of somebody who's like i don't love this i'm gonna keep going for it but i don't love it and that's exactly what happened not a lick of chemistry in all that licking anyway we had fun in winter house let's move on to winnie you better come with it you you call this shot you're shoot your shot i got caught up in a lot of bullshit talking about you and i'm so sorry you severed our future severed it 
But Mary, you have to own. You have to own it too. What do you mean I have to own? I, I have to own you talking about me. You sent me mean text messages and it hurt you're my not feelings. Ready. You think you're better than me? I can tell you, you're not. I'm better than you. I also know I look younger than you. I don't need all the fake injections in my face to make my face look like whatever. I've never had plastic surgery. Never. I don't need it like you do. Grow up, little girl, okay? I'm done. Mary, Have a good no. night. I'm not doing this with you. You're not wasting my, you've wasted enough of my time. Mary, please don't right, do that. Let's Watch get me. into Salt Lake. This was like a heavy episode this week. Oof. Ooh, and so many things happened on Twitter that we're going to have to get into, and it's going to uh, inform a lot of these storylines for this episode. So let's start with Whitney, who <laughs> reveals to Justin that she just called none other than Mary Cosby because they've never gotten to clear the air, and she invites her to dinner. But Justin's like, why? <laughs> why did you call her? And two, maybe you should go into this not having any expectations. Whitney says that it's weird to try to make up with Mary because Mary historically hasn't really been that nice to her, but it keeps coming up. Mary keeps coming up as part of Whitney's healing journey. So she's trying to like figure out what all of this is about. Two, Heather takes Monica to hang out after the Greek Easter. So this is our first episode after that one week break, right? So I don't know if you guys knew all of this, but shit went down with Monica and her mother, Linda, after the Greek Easter episode, because Monica told us, you know, a lot of people were going in on her for cussing and fussing in front of her, her children and, you know, the children that were attending the Greek Easter but Monica explained that those kids were not there. They were all downstairs doing Easter egg hunt or whatever. So what had happened was that apparently Monica left. We saw her leave, take the kids. That was her attempt to leave. Allegedly, Monica fell down Angie's stairs. Angie's got like these cement stairs outside of her house. She fell down bruised and bloodied her legs so she came back up so the scene of monica and linda going off on each other was actually when monica came back after being injured from angie's cement stairs and i think monica may have like low-key threatened to sue angie i don't know what's going on but that's what she said happened so monica's like super grateful to heather for reaching out and like having this conversation and monica hears from Heather about her relationship with her mother, who is like, she says it was good until she got the divorce. And then things got really kind of weird between Heather and her mother. But then Monica explains that her situation, the shit with her mama goes back to her childhood and how when Monica was 12, her mother decided that she wanted to trace her, chase her dreams in New York, dropped her off in Pennsylvania to live with some friends of hers and because of that she obviously has major abandonment issues now linda the mama addressed this on social media i can't did she do a video or something why she felt the need to do this i don't know but she was like monica's lying about this situation i didn't abandon her her explanation if you want to call it that is that she and monica lived in an apartment complex they made close friends with a family. Monica, I guess, babysat the son or whatever. And so Linda went to New York 
realized that shit was too expensive and that she wasn't going to be able to get an apartment for she and Monica. So she asked that family if Monica could stay with her for the school year while she like got a room or something. I don't really know. But to me, like Linda, that doesn't, that really just confirms Monica didn't lie. That sounds like you're confirming everything that she said that you left her with some friends and she has abandonment issues because of this. Like, you're acting like, like, these were, like, we're, like, close, like, family friends. Like, no, these were people that you were kind of friendly with in an apartment complex and basically dumped your daughter on them. So act like, oh, these were, like, the best friends that you ever could have. Like, no. And Linda, you being like, Monica loved that family. We loved that family. They loved her. She, they're not your mama. You know, at the end of the day, none of those people were her mother, her parent. She wanted to be with her parent. And you left her to do what in New York? Like, what were you even trying to do? Linda's whack. And I'm going to start saying my prayers for my own mother. Like, thank God. I don't have to deal with any of this shit. But let's move on because we're definitely going to circle on back to Linda and Monica. Make no mistake. Let's go over to another um, interesting family dynamic over at the Barlow's house, right? Where John and Jack are going through John's old albums from when he went on his mission. John tells us in a confessional that Jack told him about going out on the mission two weeks before he told Lisa and made him swear to secrecy. And then the producer's like, what, how would you feel? Or what do you think Lisa would, how would she react if she found out that you found out first? And he was like, she'd probably beat my ass, honestly. Then he's like, you know, he left his mission and he said that had it not been for the mission, maybe he would not have ever met Lisa because his friend was like hanging out with Lisa's sister and then they all met at an apartment or something like that. Lisa says in a confessional that she's realizing that Jack does not want her to be included at all in his mission stuff. Jack's basically just doing him, doing whatever he wants. Like, he got this vibe that he needed frosted tips. And she doesn't get it. Like, why would you want to bring back the 90s? (laughs) Which is a fair question. (laughs) So as Jack and John and Lisa at some point shows up to look through the albums, Jack, or John tells Jack, Listen, I know that there are situations where some parents will, like, damn near excommunicate their kid if they don't want to go on their mission, but that's not what's happening over here. Like, if you ever feel like you want to come home, because I felt that way, you're free to do so. Like, you're fine. So then Lisa goes, yeah, and I had a roommate in college who was literally, like, so crazy and weird, and I'm going to tell you this story for a reason. I came home, and she was in my room wearing all my clothes and, like, sitting on my bed, and I was like, what are you doing? She was like, oh, I wanted to see what it felt like to be you for a day. And that was really creepy. So, Jack, you're going to be in close quarters with people that you don't like. (laughs) I just love, like, in Lisa's worst case scenario, somebody just wanted to be her. (laughs) Like, I'm not saying it's not creepy, but I just feel like (laughs) her stories just end up with people just being jealous of her. And that's, like, her the worst thing that's ever happened in her life. And that's just funny to me. After that, Heather takes some of the ladies cross-country skiing. It's Whitney, Monica, and Meredith. An activity that seemed to take about 45 seconds before we uh, popped out a, a, a foldable 
table for the charcuterie for our little tailgating for Heather, which is zero shade on my part. That's exactly what I want to do. Thank you very much. I want to do uh, about 45 seconds of incline. I'm going to ski my way down and right into some complex carbs and put a blanket on my lap. Thank you. Thank you so much, Heather. <laughs> but anyway, Whitney notices that Monica, because they're sitting in a parking lot, Monica, don't you have a different car? And Monica says, yeah. She tells him that after the Greek Easter, Monica's mother had some kind of shit fit and told her, uh, because her mom's a co-signer, she pays the bill, but her mom is like part of the credit co-signing for the car, right? The lease of the car. Told her, if you don't bring that car back to the dealership by four o'clock, I'm going to report it as stolen. So Monica is now renting this car. She clearly tried to rent the same car so that people wouldn't notice and Whitney noticed it was a different Range Rover than the one that she had before. It doesn't matter that it's black. We noticed, girl. We clocked it. Linda's psycho. Linda's absolutely psycho. Meredith, we remember, was not at Greek Easter because she and Angie, you know, don't fuck with each other. So Meredith has not met Linda, but she is like, whoa, this sounds like a really volatile situation. It sounds like you, your mom likes to like do this control thing in order to take her power back. But what you need to do is to like take your control back. But like when things are not as volatile and the other ladies are like, yeah, you didn't meet her mom. She's actually like pretty charismatic. And Monica's like, yeah, she's charming like Ted Bundy. (laughs) And everybody just stares at her. I did like the side information that apparently in Utah, Ted Bundy is a big topic of conversation. Like, even to this day. So, I like that. I I like that information. Moving on to number five. Whitney then tries to confront Meredith by telling her, I'm having a birthday party for Bobby, a 13th birthday party, but Angie's going to be there, Meredith. And, you know, you have a real pattern of starting rumors with people and about them. And so Meredith is like, well, Whitney, as my friend, I would like to know how you could see my car crash on the side of the road and not call me for 48 hours to see that I'm okay. So Whitney tries to explain that after the party, she did drive past the car in a snowbank, but then two days later, Meredith posted this long caption about how she's lucky to be alive on Instagram, and that's when she called her, because she didn't connect that that crash was what Meredith's crash, right? So Whitney says in a confessional, Did her life flash before her eyes, or did she see an opportunity to say something we can't challenge her about? Her putting out this big dramatic post is like her thinking people will feel bad for her, and no one will bring up these rumors about Angie, because she almost died. And I don't know if y'all heard this, but as soon as she said the comment about like, oh, we can't bring this up because of how she almost died, production did a little ding, like, bingo, what's going on? Between the, like, jokey nature of them presenting Meredith talking about her side of the crash in a confessional and using the words, like, accident in air quotes, and now this, like, digging happening when they're saying, like, Meredith does this shit to, like, put things in harm's way or, like, to avoid accountability, it's giving, like, who did Meredith piss off in production? She might really need to look into that. So Meredith tells the group, I did see my life flashing before my eyes, and I rethought, you know, that was my last 
interaction I had that day. And it was incomprehensible, truly. I don't think she actually cried. Everybody's just staring at her. And then we just end the scene. <laughs> Number six, I find myself more and more comfortable with the fact that I'm going to say that Angie's house, to me, is a house of horrors. Her front door is like Yolanda's refrigerator, just straight glass. Everything is glass on what appears to be the, like, ground floor. Just floor-to-ceiling windows. I didn't see a damn blind. I didn't see any sort of uh, switch that had an effect that you could, you know, give yourself some privacy. And she's right on, like, the main road. Like, I'm seeing people, the other, the next house across the street, and the people just driving. Like, this is a like a robber's wet dream. Like, I can look right in here and see that you got some shit in this white-ass house. You're not, you're making it very clear. All the colors are very bright. Blinding. I just, like, how do you guys get privacy in that home? Where's the privacy? That is wild to There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. y'all don't be wanting to run around your panties on i just like i can't just go to the kitchen with my titties out without some person in a honda civic just turning the corner and getting full view of my nips how is that possible why do you want to live that way i don't get it it's one of those houses that, like you know how every once in a while somebody will do a they'll participate in a contest where you can get like a free hotel stay if you stay in this hotel room that's clear and everybody can just watch you like you get to stay in the the ho- there's like a hotel where there's a room <clears throat> excuse me in the lobby where like you can stay there for free or very discounted but it's just like all glass walls right so everybody can just watch you sleeping and doing whatever um i, I it gives like that like are you guys getting a deep discount for all the little looky loos because i'd be looking and i'd be looing you guys, which actually brings me to like, not to divert, but I have like a little side mission in my own life because, okay, so I, you guys know, I do like pet sitting. So I'm all over the city and there's this one building that is behind one of the buildings where I dog sit. And it's like a, you know, one of those, it's a high rise. It's, you know, amenities, gym, laundry, whatever. Pretty nice. But these people 
they have these like um all the you know these like standard issue blinds for that building are these they're just like the big one piece where you have to like roll them down with that like metal chain and i these people i think are under the impression that um they're getting privacy with these shades and they're not um i was looking and you can see literally right through it it's like if somebody threw up a like a thin bed sheet over a window it's it did nothing it did nothing and so i had to like you know i i witnessed a woman get the swiffer out buck ass naked as she has the right to do and i had to put my blind down because i'm like i'm gonna give her privacy because she clearly does not know that i could see everything everything and i just want to like how do i tell that building you got to tell your tenants that there's zero privacy and y'all owe them new shades i think i would actually be really livid like i could see everything like i'm talking she was on as far away from the window in the apartment as you could be and i could see everything everything so what do i do because <laughs> i feel really bad that like people could see them wouldn't you be like wouldn't you feel so crazy i would so so like should i like what do i do should i just stand outside the building and be like girl <laughs> girl <laughs> do i do that or do i just like live my life i might just live my life anyway anyway i don't really feel like talking about angie because i just feel like we keep getting the same thing over and over again she and sean haven't been on a date they haven't really they're not in a romantic moment right now and she's greek did you guys remember she's greek her dad comes over to make greek stuff and how she always you know it was important to her family to maintain their greek identity we know we know that's literally all you talk about like can we talk about your salon <laughs> something can we go to your salon please all we do is stay in that white ass house and talk about how greek you are and then sean came and something weird happened like he came he was like you know just kind of like I, I think they were maybe trying to hint to us that like he's cheating because he did a, like a very I'm cheating thing of walking in and being like I had to take a shower like not greeting anybody just kind of like immediately going to the shower I'm not saying that I think Sean cheats I'm just saying that that was a suggestion that I think I was being served moving on to number seven Whitney and Mary finally do get together for Honestly, I'm not sure if it's lunch or dinner because everybody, I like to see a fun little housewives game for me to see how everybody else, like us normies at the restaurant dress in comparison to a housewife. So I'm saying like, I don't know if it's day or night. It seems like the daytime, but Mary, everybody else is in like, you know, like a nice dark jean a black pant, you know, a black top, but like a, a short sleeve top, really cute, cute chic. Not even really that chic, just like nice. Like we're going to dinner, right? We're going to meal. We're going to meal. Mary was wearing a black sequin dress with gloves. So I'm just like, what time of day is it? And what restaurant are we, are, are we at? Because I'm confused. It, it gave like at most... Maybe you're going there, like, after church or, <clears throat> like, maybe a Mother's Day or post-graduation. Like, maybe that kind of tier. Mary Cosby was dressed like 
Liza Minnelli. Or Dorinda. You know? I just was confused. Whitney says, We miss you at Greek Easter, Mary. Mary goes, I didn't miss it. And she tells Whitney, Come with it, girl. Shoot your shot. Like, you got this chance. You, you want to be here? Let's do it, right? So Whitney first says that she got caught up in a lot of bullshit talking about Mary. And I'm sorry, right? But Mary's like, no, no, no. You severed our future. And then Whitney is like, but you need to own the mean text that you sent me. Because they hurt my feelings, Mary. You know, the, I've never had plastic surgery. I don't need it like you. You look old. Well, all the all the venom that she spit. <laughs> Mary tells her, grow up, little girl. Watch me leave. Like, I'm going to leave. Watch me leave. So Whitney says, but I brought you here to take accountability. And Mary's like, I'm not sitting here for you to tell me what to work on. You called me. You called me and my husband predators. That is pretty wild. Like, I'm 50-50 on this. Like, on the one hand, we can say it could appear to some like Whitney when she had a relationship or was trying to repair her relationship with her father season one brought her dad to Mary's church and like had this great moment. And then, you know, I'm sure for Mary's part, she's like, you're now doing the total opposite calling me and my husband predators and, you know, like praying on the church. <clears throat> and we also have to remind ourselves, excuse me, that, um, you know, back last season, right? When they, before they had kicked Jenny off for being racist, that they had filmed that whole scene where I think it was Heather, Whitney, and Jenny go outside of Mary's old church that they had and, like, were interviewing people at the church and, like, trying to really dig up stuff when Mary wasn't even on the cast. And I'm not saying that, like, some weird shit isn't going down at, uh, you know, the congregation de Cosby. I'm, I'm positive. Like we saw it. We see Mary, something weird, something weird's happening. That being said, you're not going to invite me anywhere and tell me that the purpose of this is for me to take accountability. (laughs) That's not how this is working. That doesn't make sense, Whitney. (laughs) Like, how did you think that was going to go with Mary Cosby of all people? So when she says, wake up, bobblehead, I'm forced to agree. Because <laughs> what did you, what were you trying to accomplish, Whitney? So Mary's now like swiveling her head back to ask the waiter, um, can I get a box? And then she, as soon as she gets the box, she asks the waitress to box it up for her. Can you take it back and box it up for me, please? <laughs> Why didn't you just ask them to do that the first time, Mary? So Whitney really looks like a dumbass when she's like, Mary, you don't want to end this like this. And she's like, promise you. I promise you I do. Watch me walk out that door. And that's exactly what she does. (laughs) Leading us to number eight, Lisa Barlow has a mission party for Jack. Now, we saw her ask him what he wanted for the party. And he said liquid death and a charcuterie board. And she looked like liquid death. And so now we've got a whole... um, Mac set up so people can watch via Zoom. There's a cake with marbling frosting on it. It's it's a whole to do, right? Lisa keeps going around making this about herself, which is the funniest thing. Like, I'm freaking out, guys. I'm freaking out. And she's telling us in a confessional that usually she's in a place of control, as we saw during the Trixie makeup challenge. 
listen, if I want a G-Wagon, I can get it. I can get it in the right colors, right to my door. But I have no idea where Jack's going. It's a lot for me. So then Lisa does this whole speech. But her first question is, um, how many of you raise your hand if you knew about this mission before I did? And most of those extremely blonde children raise their hands. I would say a good 78%. She was, she was not happy. <laughs> I need to know what is going on with Jack and Lisa. Like, let's really talk this out, babe. What happened between Fudge College and now? Because it seems like a lot. Jack reveals that he is going to Columbia, the Columbia, Bogota area. Lisa's like, oh my God. Oh my God. I can't believe it. Saying it a confessional, I can't believe he's going to Columbia. He'll probably get held up at gunpoint at least once or twice on his mission. My friend's son would get held up like weekly. So he would keep a few dollars on him like, oh, there's your gun. Okay, so here's some cash. <sighs> okay. <laughs> I, that's... I don't, I don't know if I would have said that. I don't know if I would have said that. And then she kind of like furthers why maybe she should not have said that. Cause she's telling the party goers that, um, I really thought he'd be in like in Europe or like New York. <laughs> why did you think that Lisa? Why did you think that? That being said, I would like to know, like if you have ever lived in, uh, Manhattan or Brooklyn or even Queens, let me know if you have ever shared a building with somebody like a Mormon missionary. Like, I'd like to know, like, where are they putting them? Are they putting them on like Prince street? Are they on Bedford? Like, you know, <laughs> I just want to know <laughs> what, what's the housing situation. Like, I really would like to know. And like, do you think that they maybe took his, you know, like, like he's a legacy kid. Like he's a kid of a famous Mormon 2.0 or Mormon adjacent person. Do you think that they took that into consideration when they placed him? Like, like if you have like, like legacy status at like Harvard or whatever, you know, I wonder. And then we have to end the episode with some real mommy issues. Like we're in phase, like maybe two with Lisa and Jack, but now we're in phase Ooh, 47. And I'm talking out of 10 with Monica and Linda. So Monica ends up meeting up with her mom at a restaurant. Linda, Linda's really extra. She makes me tense in a way that like, I don't even really have too much experience with this type of person. But she like gives me anxiety. I can't imagine how Monica has been living with this her whole life or anybody who has this kind of dynamic with their parent. Linda's crying before Monica can even look at the damn menu. Like, hasn't even gotten a straw for her water yet. Monica's already not having it. And like, thank God. I think in, a, in ways, like, you know, we talk about how some housewives will go on a show to, you know put some money in their bank and uh, leave their husbands. I feel like this show might be Monica's way of leaving her mother. <laughs> like the cameras are her protector at this point. And she's got like all these receipts of, and now. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So, Oh, Linda also said at one point during, I think an unprompted um, posting on social media about her standing with Monica that 
Monica was the one who begged her to come on this show. She didn't want to be on the show. Okay, so so what? That doesn't that doesn't mean anything, Linda. You and so you look bad? Well, I didn't want to be on here. Okay. You still look like an asshole. You could not want to be on the show and still be nice to your daughter. That's still possible. So then Linda tells Monica that she watched a movie about an old lady in Croatia who didn't resolve things with her own mother before her mom died and how she doesn't want that to happen to them. To which Monica says, you want me to feel bad for you when I was crying and you didn't give a shit at Angie's dinner. You made me feel completely alone. You picked everybody else. You started apologizing for me to people that you just met. And then you expect me to sit here and feel bad that you're crying. So then Linda gets an attitude. She really vacillates between like, "Ah," and like, bitch mode. So Linda starts rolling her neck and is like, I'm not asking you to feel bad for me. I'm asking you to have a conversation with me, Monica. Monica tells her not to talk to her like that. And Linda's like, I'm not going to treat you like a weak ass bitch either. And then she starts digging around in her big ass purse. Oh, do you have any aspirin, Monica? I thought I had some. I thought I brought some, Monica. Do you have any? Monica's just staring at her like, what the fuck is going on? What is going on? This escalates to Monica being like, I don't know what to do. Monica's mother calls her a motherfucker. Never, never have I seen this. And then goes, are you going to eat? I'm really hungry. Have you seen, we got this beautiful guacamole in front of us. Are you going to eat something? And Monica's like, I'm not hungry anymore. Then Linda tells Monica that they both need to be vulnerable and figure out where this mess all happened. And Monica says, I could tell you right now, it started from my childhood. And this is where uh, Linda starts digging around. I swear I brought some aspirin. Just digging around in that purse again, trying to deflect from this conversation. Because she knows that Monica is exactly right. We need to figure this whole thing out, Mon. Why don't we do that? Oh, oh, you know why? Oh, um, God, where is that? Where is that Advil? I swear I brought it. So Monica tells her, in order for us to get to the root of things, you're going to have to face some hard truths about how you abandoned me. But Linda's like, I had to start a new job, Monica. I didn't know New York was so expensive. Monica, you have trauma. And Monica goes, so do you, girl. You have it from your mom. She hated you and she abandoned you. And when her mom says she's over it, Monica's like, no, you treated me the same way. You're actually not over it. You're not over this emotionally. You treat me the exact same way. Like you're completely continuing the cycle. So Monica tells us that in a confessional that her grandmother always struggled with Linda. Because she never wanted a daughter. So Linda could never do right by her. And, you know, she ends up having a kid young and it's like, here go hell come. And then, you know, the cycle continues with Monica, right? For some reason, out of nowhere, Linda calls Monica by her maiden name. And Monica's like, why the hell would you call me that? I haven't gone by that name in decades. And Linda's like, well, I don't know. You change your name like every fucking week. (laughs) Like, you're just like trying to grasp at whatever. To be mean to your daughter. This is so wild to me. So Monica tells her, you treat me like you did when I was young. And 
you know, remember when I had to sit in the back in the trunk of a car while you made out with some man in the back seat? And Linda goes, oh, that only happened once. So what? I kissed a boy. <laughs> like, like you're 15 and this is your like three years old, three years younger sister, you know, like, what are you talking about, Monica? That happened when I was a sophomore and you weren't in seventh grade. Like, no, that is fucking crazy. Putting your daughter in the trunk so that you can make out with a man. I kissed the boy like you're 19. Ew. Monica says, it's not about you kissing a man. It's about the situation you put me in. And you still don't give a fuck. And Linda goes, no, I don't actually. <laughs> so Monica says, I've dealt with this my whole life. And I think I'm just done. And all I can do is make sure that my kids never feel that. And then Linda asks Monica, when am I going to be forgiven? Because I can't fix it. And Monica's like, well, you just said you don't give a fuck. So not today. Not today, mom. Woo. This is weird, wild stuff. And I really empathize with all y'all who had mamas like this. Because goddamn, I'd, I'd go mental. I really would. Okay, y'all. We're going to do like a short recap of Beverly Hills. So Friday, you know, I wanted to, to call you because I feel like something's going on. With who? With you. Me? Yeah. You do? Yes. Like what? I don't know. It feels like there's this heaviness. I'm married for a long time. <laughs> I would be lying if I were to say that the last year didn't affect me and our relationship two at times because it's been it was a very rough year how are things with you and mo he's really stressed with work yeah and i've you know i think in the past six months i had a rough time you know mm. pk and i used to go for dinners all the time with kyle and mo we'd go on vacations we'd go to their house we haven't seen kyle and mo as a couple in a very long time something has got to be up all right, let's wrap this up with Beverly Hills. And um, I realized that I forgot to recap New York part two of the reunion. But do you guys need that from me? I don't think you do. So let's talk about Beverly Hills, shall we? <laughs> Starting with number one, Dorit hires those two women that come in muted colored dresses with a muted color tablescape to set up a little scene for Dorit and Erica. So Dorit could tell her that she was frankly surprised that Erica didn't, you know, lead with an apology when she sauntered up to the BravoCon stage and said that, uh, you know, her marriage was the one that seemed most in trouble, right? Erica, as we remember, learned empathy from Dr. Jen just like a couple days ago. So she's really like, it's, it's top of mind for her. So she does apologize to Dorit and is like, this friendship has to work. I'm dedicated to making it work because you're important to me. Jen, is that right? Yeah. Okay. So they work things out and then Dorit admits, hey, what you might not know is that PK and I were actually in a pretty tough spot last year. To which Dorit, or Erica rather, is like, oh gosh, well, if I had known that you guys were not okay, I would have, you know, picked somebody else. But didn't we all, if I recall correctly, when that came out, everybody was like, this feels like Erica and possibly even Dorit drumming up some kind of discord for each other for next season. 
I'm wondering. But then we find out that Dorit got popped again. Bankruptcy style. Because she was telling us that she was going out in December. Took 10k out of the bank, you know, just to do some light Christmas shopping as, as one does. And then she realized somebody stole her purse. And when they did surveillance they realized that she had been tailed by three guys, which triggered her PTSD from the break-in. So she's dealing with a lot of stuff. How many times has Dorit been robbed in, like, the past 18 months? Because it feels like more than twice. Like, this might be the third or fourth time, which is concerning, Dorit. That's very concerning. Number two, Sutton and Garcelle are planning a 40th birthday party weekend in Vegas for Crystal so that she can finally get some screen time uh garcelle says that they're doing it so she can get the stick out of her ass and sutton is doing it so that maybe they can start fresh with each other since you know crystal was like oh you're that girl that girl that says i don't see color and things were just downhill from there that was about the first 15 minutes that they hung out with each other so we're we're, we're refocusing refocus refocus (laughs) refocusing and refreshing right speaking of crystal she actually does get one scene with Rob Minkoff and her brother Jeffrey, who we're told is the Chinese Justin Bieber. No shade. I did my Googles and this man doesn't have many followers on Instagram. And I know that like you can't have Instagram in China, but there are also I I have questions. Also, I looked at his YouTube and we can move on. He's the Chinese Justin Bieber, okay? If Crystal says it, then then I'm just going to believe her. But also, she's harboring a lot of guilt with her brother Jeffrey because during the pandemic, he was living in China with his fiance. They freaked out the family and was like, you got to come back to America. And she believes that her brother blames her because when he went back to America, he and his fiance broke up. So, his bro- her brother hits her with the okie doke because he's Jeffrey's now 41, which is around the same age that Rob was when he met a 20 something Crystal, right? And so Jeffrey says to Crystal, Would you care if I met somebody who's 20 years my junior? And Crystal really wanted to say, Mm-mm. But she couldn't. She couldn't. And then they had to do something about, like, oh, she was so mature back then. So, like, yeah, maybe if the woman that you find is as mature as I was and polished, then maybe it's okay. But it's like, mm. okay, Crystal. I like Crystal. Can we just establish that? Because I know it doesn't seem that way, but I do. <laughs> I do. <laughs> and I'm one of the few people who I think still does. I'm a soldier. I'm just, like, not sure what we're doing with her this season. And it doesn't seem like production does either. So let's move on, right? PK set up some kind of weird pseudo-sex worker fantasy with Dorit for their anniversary by making Kyle drive Dorit to the Beverly Wilshire on the guise of them going to lunch, but she actually is going to be role-playing Pretty Woman pretty soon. But on the way there, Dorit confronts Kyle and says, I really, like, I've been meaning to kind of call you because it feels like something's going on with you. There's like a heaviness about you. About you. How are things with you and Mo? And Kyle got those fingers gripped around that steering wheel like she did not want to talk about this at all. This is one of the few times where we see Kyle really like, uh, things are out of control for me. I don't like that. I don't like that. The big Kathy really jumped out. Her lips got real pursed and thin. 
and hard on that face of hers. So in a confessional, Dorit says, we used to hang out with Kyle and Mo like as couple friends all the time. We would travel together. We'd go to dinner. But we actually haven't seen either of them like as a couple in a very long time. So something's got to be up. So then Dorit asks, Kyle, do you have thoughts of not being with Mo? Because see, and Kyle's like, well, where do you, where are you getting this from? Why do you think that? So Dorit's like, well, look, I mean, I'm seeing on social media that you're hanging out with a lot of people and none of those people seem to be Mo. So it's giving, right? So Kyle, all she can say is that she just needed freedom and space. So Dorit asks her, no, when you say that, did you, do you mean for Mo specifically? Which feels like, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's implicit. But Kyle's like, no, I mean, like, from everything. Mm. Okay. Okay. Like, she's clearly pissed. So let's move on, right? Because we're going to find out. So Dorit and Kyle get to the room. And Dorit is expecting, like, an actual recreation of Pretty Woman. A suite, perhaps. And not just, like, the standard room in the hotel. A nice hotel. But you could tell she was very overwhelmed. Like, oh, this is just, like, a normal hotel room with some some fruit on a platter and like a lot of water there's like like eight bottles of water <laughs> so this doesn't really give um special day really not really loving this and then she really finds out like what is going on that this is going to be a spend the night kind of thing so Dorit gets anxious immediately because she told the kid that she was gonna come home and she's like I, I don't get it so Kyle's just like laughing Dorit's like actually going through it. Kyle starts laughing. Then Dorit goes out onto the balcony and breaks the fourth wall in production. Is like, no, really, what's going on? Because I told my kids, like, I don't like this. And they're like, no, just ask Kyle. She's like, but she doesn't know anything. She doesn't know what's going on either. She's not giving me answers. So inside, Kyle's being a terrible friend. <laughs> laughing, shoving grapes into her mouth. She's calling BK, PK. Keep keeping laughing because she thinks it's so funny that Dorit is like having a conniption. And is she like over exaggerating just a tad? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know what? I can't even, I'm not even going to criticize Kyle in this moment because PK's got one for her ass. If he says in a confessional that he and Kyle do have this like kind of jokey relationship. So it's not really surprising that Kyle would like laugh at him in a moment like this. But and he goes, when we talk about surprises and Kyle getting involved, maybe the biggest surprise would be if Mauricio ever actually did that for her. That would be the biggest surprise. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> ooh, ooh. Like, uh-oh. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Oopsie. I mean, listen, of all the people that we could probably look to in this group to the status of what's going on with Kyle Mauricio, it would have to be PK, right? His, his best boy? His best buddy? There were that, uh, you don't treat your wife like gold like I do, okay? I don't see Kyle dressing up like a like a fictionalized sex worker for your anniversary, so top that. <laughs> and he's not wrong. Like, listen, I have terrible memories, so please feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, but I can't remember a time where we saw Mauricio really going out of his way to do anything for Kyle. And maybe she doesn't like that. Like, maybe that's just not her style, but... I mean, he's he's right. We haven't seen that. We haven't seen a lot of, like, romance out of them other than... Yeah. PK's giving me something to think about. So Dorit has... Well, PK, rather, has Dorit's full glam team come over. They've got a rack of red dresses that she could pick from, which she doesn't like, but then she kind of eases into it because she's telling them, usually I would pick my own clothes. She's telling her stylist that usually she would pick her own clothes. <laughs> And that this is not how she picks clothes. It's like, well, what is a stylist for then? But anyway, she goes downstairs and it looks pretty close to Julia Roberts' dress. Straight men are so funny. Like, imagine planning this whole thing and his little speech to her before he gives her a $5 million rented necklace for the night. It will have to go back. He says to her, I wanted you to feel like a pretty woman because you are a pretty woman. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, PK. So then he takes her into an even bigger room where Berlin from the 80s is playing Take My Breath Away. And the lower third has to remind us this song is from Top Gun, not Pretty Woman. Okay. One thing about PK is that he has an arsenal of 80s singers at his fingertips. And honestly, we should just be lucky that it wasn't Boy George again, because it could have been. He would have put a sheet up on the wall and here comes Boy George. Here we go. You know what? Boy George is like, um, for those of you who watch Arrested Development, it's like uh, Gene Parmesan. Like, he just keeps popping up, and it's like, oh, here here he goes again. <laughs> so after that song, they have dinner, and PK basically tells her, maybe this is a bad idea to, like, try to surprise you. And honestly, excuse me, y'all, you've been dealing with a lot of PTSD, and I struggle to understand that. Dorit says in a confessional that right now she doesn't want or need big gestures. What she needs is for PK to step up with the kids, work on the schedules, be at the house, that sort of thing. But that's not really PK's thing. So she's going to have to work with him to like teach PK how to love her and care for her. But then she says, I don't know if we'll ever get there. Now, she's been going on over the BravoCon stage saying, I don't know what y'all are talking about, but me and PK... We're locked in, so forget about it. But it seems like people don't want to believe them. And I wonder why. (laughs) So towards the end of the episode, we head back over to Kyle and Mauricio's, where they're holding a quinceanera party for Portia. I cannot believe this child is 15 years old. It makes me feel ancient. We, like... 
didn't we know what was she like two when the show started that's really wild now look at her she's a, <clears throat> a young woman we got boobies and, and a real like, young lady body and i just like she's so cute she's adorable kyle is on one like the type of on one where it's just palpable palpable annoyance I'll tell you guys one thing. One time I was waiting for the uh, ferry and there was a couple in front of me and I could feel that this chick was pissed off, but her boyfriend was not picking up on him, picking up on it. And he kept like touching her and getting like whispering in her ear, like babe, like baby talking, like true baby voice. I won't even bother you by repeating it but like baby oh i love you like what's wrong and he kept touching her and i could just see in her body that she wanted to push him into the river <laughs> and he wasn't picking up on it at all at all it was so funny but this is what kyle's giving it's like he's calling her love bean and she's just glaring at him and she's digging hard in that guacamole and like biting real b bad into a chip like she does not want to be around this man at all she's not faking it <clears throat> I'm going to say, I think Kyle is the problem in this scene. I think she was just like little fires everywhere. And I don't really understand what's going on with Kyle. This is like a, a brand new bitch. I don't know her. I don't know this chick. Because I know that one thing that must have happened through Big Kathy's finishing school for girls is that she taught these women how to grin and bear it in a marriage make it work girl especially on your daughter's birthday with your mother and father-in-law there and other people and the cameras it's just shocking to me that she was just like running around like a wally coyote pissing mo off and i'm not saying like i'm on mo's side i'm just surprised that kyle's acting this way so first of all uh estella who is um uh, uh, Mauricio's mother confronts Kyle. She's like, what's going on? Because I'm hearing a lot of divorce rumors and it's all over the media and like usually I ignore this type of thing but it's getting too much at this point. So like, what's going on? Because there's smoke here. And you know what happens where there's smoke. Kyle's like, oh, I just forgot my ring and like they took a shot at it. Like the paparazzi took a picture of me, right? But then Kyle says in a confessional that like pictures have nothing to do. With, like, what's going on. So, yeah, I mean, they're having a tough time, but why is everybody making a big deal about it? She was just lifting weights. And, like, she's basically saying that they caught her outside the gym. She wasn't wearing her ring because she was with lifting weights, and it really wasn't a big deal. <laughs> but it's like, you can't also be like, yeah, we're having marital issues, but why is everybody so curious about it? You can't sit there and be pissed off that you are getting questioned by Dorit about what's going on when you're saying to Eagle Woman in the group therapy that you're having issues in your marriage. And, like, it's not really fair to be like, how dare you ask me about that? Like, it's weird. Maybe it's fair to say, don't ask me about that for the first time on camera, girl. But, you know, I don't... <laughs> you said it on camera. I mean, we do also have to recognize that this is an uncontrollable, probably Kyle's first uncontrollable season in the sense that like 
she really doesn't know how this is going to play out. There's no blueprint for anything. She's sober now. I think she's probably viewing things very differently in her marriage and how Mauricio treats her. And I think she, this is like really Kyle Richards year of realizing things. I honestly think. And there's a lot going on here. And I do think that like we need to keep in mind what she said to Mo when she said like, uh, you know, like sometimes you can do all the right things and like things aren't great. I I think that's something to think about. And her sobriety. So then but here's like like the other side of that is like Kyle's really capping in a way that's not making sense. I and mean, she's doing so publicly and acting like she doesn't understand why people are addressing her publicly. So Kyle then takes Estella aside to break the news to her that she's got some tattoos. But Estella's like, oh, I know. I don't care. Like, whatever. And then she goes, "Which? where's the one that you got for Mauricio? Where's the Mauricio tattoo? Oh, I don't have one. That's, that's actually, like, kind of a jinx, actually. So then Estella mentions, I know that the girls have some, too. They all got matching ones. And she tells... Kyle or Kyle tells uh Estella oh you know Mo has one too so she's like oh really and she's like yeah but clearly this is a situation for Estella because why would Kyle as like a 50 something year old woman have to tell her that and then also be completely nervous that the Mauricio an even older man got one so then Kyle knows that she fucked up right so she, the first thing she does is run to Mo to tell him Oh, I told your mom that you got a tattoo, but she doesn't care. And he goes, what's wrong with you? Like, he's sitting at the head of the table. People are mostly at the table. Just kind of sitting there. as she's whispering in his ear, like, don't worry about it. And he's like, what's wrong with you? Why wouldn't you let me tell her myself? And she's like, no, like, it's really not a big deal, right? And so then she runs into the kitchen and two of her older daughters are there. I think the older one, Farah and Alexia. So she's telling them, lying. I hate to say that you lied to your daughters, but you did. And says, well, I just said to your grandma, like, maybe, maybe not that he got one. And even Farah's like, are you sure that's all you said? <laughs> like two, two minutes later, flashback. That's, that is not what she said, Farah. You got that one. So Kyle then goes back up to Mauricio at the table and is like, trying to talk to him about it but again they're like kind of in the middle of this dinner not maybe not even started yet and he's like i don't want to talk about it right now like i don't want to talk about it so then she goes and gets a cake and takes her assistant slash friend jen into the kitchen and is like oh he's so mad at me like blah 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 kind of painting it like it's his problem but i'm sorry like let's really break this down you told his mama something that you clearly knew that would probably upset one or the both of them <clears throat> Fortunately, Estella's fine, but Mauricio clearly has an issue. Do I think that maybe he's probably too old to be, like, worried about his mom's reaction to a tattoo? Yes. At both of their big ages, he maybe let it go. But it seemed like Estella did. But Mauricio doesn't know that. And, you know, a lot of us have mamas who, like, will keep it real cute in front of her, you know, grandkids and the cameras. And then who knows what happens when the cameras go down. You know, and like, he's now like, this is my kid's birthday party. I'm calling you love bean. I'm trying here. And now here you are blowing my secrets up to my mama. 
and it's being like, oh, don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. And you're saying this to me, like whispering it to me at the table. Like I would be kind of annoyed too if I were Mo. And I would be doubly annoyed that she would go into the kitchen and act like I'm the issue. Like you, no, that's weird, Kyle. <laughs> but I'm reluctantly on team Mo on this one. I, I kind of am. The episode does end, you know, with a to be continued, I will say. The girls all head up on the PJ. And what did they get? Like matching, um, I can't remember what brand bags, but they all got the matching bags with their names on it. And they get to Resort World. Do you think Adrian Maloof gets so pissed off every time the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills go to Vegas? Do they even own the Palm anymore? I don't think they do. Anyway, um, so the ladies are all in Vegas and it ends with like a little bit of a flash forward because we hear that they're going to Magic Mike. There's conversation about, hey, if you want to go on stage, be sure to wear pants because they're going to spread you. Okay. And uh, then we see Erica in the on stage getting her legs spread as they predicted. Sutton in the audience and all of a sudden Sutton's getting real pissed off and hot under that Peter Pan collar of hers and being like she wants to leave and then she and Kyle are calling each other bitches in a little vestibule so I can't wait frankly I'm excited about that (laughs) thank you guys so much I hope you have a great weekend love you we'll talk soon in a couple days not even a couple days